Do you sometimes wonder how you could truly have an impact when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging? How do you know you are moving in the right direction when it comes to becoming a more inclusive individual? As diverse as two peas in a pod, brings topics such as ethnicity, genders, sexuality or religion on the table. We talk about research and science, but also emotions, feelings and vulnerability. We discuss allyship, advocacy and privilege. But most importantly, we took action. Because without action, we stay still. And when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging, stillness is never the answer. Welcome to As Diverse as Two Peas in a Pod. In this episode of As Diverse as Two Peas in a Pod, I have the pleasure to welcome Lauren Windsor. Lauren was born in Southeast London in 1964. She was the youngest child of parents who had emigrated to the UK in 1957, so her dad could study to be an accountant. Growing up, she loved both her British culture and her Burmese heritage. Understandably, as a gay woman, she didn't always feel she fitted in. Today, she feels proud of the relationship she was able to build with her family and proud that she now runs her own business, Social Matrix, with her partner of 16 years. Welcome to another episode of As Diverse as Two Peas in a Pod. Welcome to another episode of As Diverse as Two Peas in a Pod. Um, today I have the chance to have Lauren joining me. Lauren, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing today? Very good, thank you. The sun's been out in London, so that's, that's uh, unusual at this time of the year. So it's been uh, it's been lovely, crisp kind of day. The clocks have gone back and uh, it gets dark quite early now, but uh, it's nice. It's that's good it's always nice to have a bit of sun in london indeed exactly uh, you, you never know how long it might last as well <laughs> we had we had a sunny day as well very crisp as well today but uh, a beautiful day so yeah it's a good it's a good time to do a recording now we have our smiles up because of Absolutely. the sun uh, well i'm going to start um like i often start with with most people to ask you lauren what's your story Okay, thank you, Julian. So um, my story really uh, begins in 1950s um, Myanmar, uh, known as Burma as well. Um, so I am the daughter of um, two Anglo-Burmese parents. And they were, I mean, they were born in the 30s and they grew up in uh, Burma. Modern Burma, as it evolved, became quite a difficult place to be. And uh, both my parents worked for British companies and attended uh, Christian churches. And um, they moved here in 1957. So I see my story as beginning with them, really, rather than with me. Mm. And uh, my sister was a baby when they arrived. My, my father came first. Um, he was training to be an accountant. So his company sent him over to train to complete his accountancy training here. And my mum followed soon after, within sort of six to eight months afterwards. And then my brother was born. And then in 1964, I was born. I was the third child. 
um, six and eight years between my brother and my sister and myself. And um, so we grew up in, um, in South, not very far from where I live now. And it was a lovely, happy childhood. Um, we had lots of happy family times. We attended our local Baptist church. We had lots of friends in our neighborhood. It was a real uh, time of community back then. You know, everybody mm -hmm. knew each other. Uh, neighbors knew each other. If you needed help, unlike today, uh, where you go online, you say, does anybody know someone who can help me? You used to run next door or up the road and ask people in person, um, you know, who they knew who could help you with the plumbing or the decorating or whatever. And uh, we had aunts and uncles who came from Burma who followed and they lived with us for short periods of time. And uh, as I say, so we had a lot of family time. It was very, very happy. We didn't have lots of money, but we were really, really happy and contented children. And we went to our local schools and, you know, in, 19, in the 1970s, when I was sort of, um, sort of 10 to 15, if you like, um, there weren't a lot of people from, um, with, with ethnic backgrounds. We, we mm -hmm. were sort of one, there were a few families in our area, but it was a few. Yes. And, um, you know, my dad always sort of recounts when, uh, you know, they first moved and people were, you know, quite surprised to see people of colour moving into the neighbourhood. And, um, but we fitted in and we, everybody did, you know, did their bit. We all, we, we became part of the community. And um, so, so, as I say, growing up was a very, very happy time. Mm -hmm. And um, I suppose some of the challenges we faced was that we had this, I was born in, in the UK. And um, so you grow up as part of that community, but you also have this, you know, very, very kind of strong cultural background links with our Burmese background, which I was always fascinated with. I still am. And I just love, you know, I loved having that two, those two different cultures. And, and, and I noticed indeed you, you, you don't use the word, um, I think you were talking about your parents at the time, that they are Burmese, you don't say they're English, you talk about Anglo-Burmese, so you can hear already that the, the two cultures are very strongly linked to each other. Yes, yes because uh, mum and dad, you know, were, have relatives from other countries as well, so they had migrated to Burma. So, you know, my mum's heritage is from uh, UK, and my father's is from Sri Lanka. So we have, you know, ties not just to Burma but to the east to the west so we are yeah I suppose that's why we call ourselves Anglo-Burmese rather than you know Burmese mum and dad grew up speaking English um, going to schools where they were encouraged to speak English and of course their churches were American Baptist churches so mm -hmm. there was the you know the American influence as well so mm. they were in some ways, I think they probably would describe themselves as not necessarily fitting in uh, there either, in a way. So when mm -hmm. my dad arrived here, he found it very hard, uh, I think particularly in the 50s. When I, when I was born, it was easier. And of course, now it's even more straightforward. You know, it's much easier to fit in now. Whereas when my dad arrived, you know, he did suffer quite a lot of um, racism, um, 
trying to find accommodation, those kinds mm-hmm. of things were very, very challenging for him. So yeah, things have changed a lot in the last uh, you know, 50 or 60 years, but um, as I say, it was always very, very, we were always very happy. You know, we, we had both links with both sides. I was, you know, we were British, but we had this lovely Burmese culture to kind mm-hmm. of cling to as well. And, and so, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's always lovely to hear that there is the, the, the positive side of it. Um, and then you had a lovely childhood, but I imagine as well, um, being in between these two cultures must have brought as well some challenges for you. Um, so what, what are some of the challenges that you've noticed as you, as you grew up? So for me personally, um, I was very, uh, very aware as a, as a child that I was different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm gay. I, I found that difficult um, in its own right. I think in, 19, in the 1970s, actually, when I was growing up, it was quite hard to be gay anyway. Mm-hmm. But actually, you know, also being part of two cultures, um, I suppose the acceptance was difficult for my for my parents. They were trying desperately to fit in yes. in the UK. And, you know, they thought they were coming home to, to the UK because they felt very British even when they were in Burma. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, arriving here and being different, standing out a little bit or quite a lot as a family, you know, particularly in very British neighborhoods when we were sort of moving in, in the sort of 60s, mm-hmm. when they were moving in the 60s. And then of course they want, you want to fit in, don't you? you want to kind of just hope that people don't really notice you mm-hmm. as much. And then of course I came along and I was this kind of, you know, different child something they weren't expecting and I think that was challenging for them and I completely understand why it would be Um, and I think it was challenging for me as well because Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't something we really mum and dad wanted to talk about with their friends and family Um, you know whether they were British or Asian so actually it wasn't really about the Asian and the British mix if you like it was the fact that actually probably the time as well mm-hmm. that I was growing up in, it really wasn't easy to stand out. Yes, and so and so living living in between different cultures like this, um, because I think I think at the heart of everything here is is about your own identity and finding that identity in and through that journey and that process. Um, so how how did how did you shape your own identity throughout this journey? I think I had a very strong sense always of who I was. And as challenging as it was, it's quite hard to actually deny who you are. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it was challenging, absolutely. But actually, there is a strong sense sometimes of who you are. And it doesn't matter how much people try or you try to kind of mold yourself into what you think you should be, you actually can't. And so actually, it, although it was hard, it, wasn't, it also wasn't because I couldn't, mm-hmm. if you like, it was, I just couldn't be someone I wasn't. I couldn't be, you know, um, force myself, if you like, to fit in. Um, 
in terms of my identity, my sort of sexual identity, if you like, I couldn't just force myself to be, you know, the typical daughter or whatever. So actually it was challenging, but it wasn't, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, I, I, I understand. And so what, what, what I find, in, find interesting is, and I think you made a very good point here, which is about, because it's your own identity at the end of the day, it's, it's about accepting yourself. And once you've done that, uh, you cannot not be yourself, obviously. Um, <clears throat> but you mentioned also a little bit about the, um, and especially with your parents, about the fitting in and how, how does um, kind of having these two cultures or different sexual orientation or whatever it might be actually um, has an effect on your sense of belonging? So I think there's one thing, which is the identity where you're accepting yourself. And there's the other thing as well, where you feel like you belong to that community and that group yeah. um, or any, any community or group actually you feel part of. Well, I think there's a little bit of um, we we have different faces for different places, mm -hmm. and I think to some extent I'm quite good at that. So I've become you know I've become used to being, you know the the what's required of me in the Burmese culture. So you know addressing um, friends of the family as you know if they're older aunts and uncles they are they have become your aunts and uncles. All of that thing, those sorts of things I kind of learned growing up, and I I've always accepted. The need to to be respectful, and mm -hmm. that's never been an issue. So, in some ways, you know, you put on the face that is required in those in those places. And you know, I was very lucky as well growing up that I had a fantastic set of friends. I had you know amazing friends who never ever you know asked any questions of me. They never. Um, wondered they said they never ever wondered anything in fact I've just met up with some of them recently you know after sort of uh, 30 or 40 years now and um, they all said they were worried about me they had worried that they when when we were growing up they could see that I had this conflict going on mm -hmm. and they said they had worried that I wouldn't be all right and actually they were really relieved that I am okay and I'm fine mm -hmm. and so I think they you know I had almost like a, a family of friends who gave me lots of support, who never questioned anything about me that just, you know, in fact, one of my friends said, you know, the word she put it in was just simply as, you know, we never thought anything different about you. You were just right. And that was it. You were our friend. There was no, we didn't think, you know, this, that, or the other, you were just you. And um, so I was very lucky to have them. So I had, you know, my little kind of community of friends that I would spend lots of time with, um, you know, during the week, after school, weekends, and and then we had the family, you know, the family where I would be what was required of me there. So it was a bit like having a split personality in some ways, but the sense of belonging, I think, is, is a very good question. And I think to some extent, I didn't really feel like I belonged mm -hmm. anywhere particular. I think it's more a case of You want to belong, you do your best to belong, and you do what's required to fit in wherever you are. Mm -hmm. And I think, as I say, there, there were different 
faces that I would have or different behaviors that I would have. I think to some extent, most people do as well, you know, depending on your family background. I think, you know, we behave, you know, sometimes people revert to being childlike around their parents, for example, you know, because that's something that's, you know, because they, they're their parents and, you know, you're the child and all of a sudden you can be a bit kind of, I, I'm not very capable now, you know, mom, can you cook me some dinner? You know, whereas of course you can do it when, when you're not with them. So I think there's, you know, there, there is a sense, I don't think I didn't, I don't think I felt like I didn't belong. I just think I felt like I belonged in lots of places. Mm-hmm. And in order to belong in those places, I would modify my behavior. Okay. And so <clears throat> one thing that I find interesting here, because obviously we talk more and more these days about diversity and inclusion and equity and and now belonging is is part of um, of that that long list now of uh, of kind of keywords that are important um so how do we create that sense of belonging as well um and i think as you mentioned there is one way which is we as individuals create something where then we end up with like we feel like we belong Either we belong in all places or we belong differently in different places. But I think there's a lot of work as well that needs to be done for people to create that environment where others belong. And what I was wondering is what would have made the difference? So if I was around you at the time or I'm around people who maybe have um, clashing identities, and I want to be more supportive of them so they can feel that they belong. What are some of the things that I could have done or I could do now? I think to some extent, I think we need to talk about who we are. I think there mm-hmm. needs to be open conversations. I think that was one of the, the challenges for me growing up was that, you know, I was in a family where they knew I was different, but they didn't really know how to have a conversation with me about it. Yep. And my dad, you know, he's, he's gone now, but he, he said that to me in recent years. You know, I didn't know how to talk to you about it. And mm-hmm. by the end, he was talking to me about it all the time, very openly, you know, so much so that I'm getting married next year. You know, and he was Literally. the person that sort of initiated that for me. So I think, I think having conversations with people, I think the, the, the hardest thing for people is having the language if it's not something you understand. You know, if I don't understand something, how do I know how to have a conversation with someone? Mm-hmm. And, and of course, there's that thing that you might offend someone or upset someone. And I think there has to be work on both sides. We all have to be willing to be asked the questions mm-hmm. and not be offended if people don't have the right language. And I think we have to be willing to ask the questions, you know, so mm-hmm. ask the questions, have the conversations, how... You know, as simple as, you know, you know, I can see that you're struggling or I can see that you're, um, you know, you're having problems with, with belonging or, or identifying with um, your family or I, I just, you know, how can I help? What can I do to help you? What can I do to support you? How can I, you know, help you um, fit in, feel like you belong? You know, and actually sometimes you just get to put your arms around someone. This is this is this is such a nice image actually you're bringing because the the thing that was coming up in my mind as you were talking is is this concept of psychological safety, um, which I think is what you described even more beautifully than me in words by saying yeah sometimes you just have to 
grab someone and, and put your arms around them. Um, and but what I liked as well in, in the message you, you shared is that that psychological safety needs to happen for both sides, um, which I think we, we, we sometimes maybe forget um, because because it can be indeed difficult to go into these conversations when we're Absolutely. worried about yeah. saying the wrong things, when we are worried about offending. And it feels, at least from what I'm hearing from you as well, is that not saying it is actually more hurtful than actually saying something wrong and maybe apologizing about it and saying, I don't have all the information. And I think that's that's an interesting point here, actually, to remember that it's it's okay to be a bit courageous. It is, and sometimes get it wrong. You know, I think that's the thing. We're always worried about getting it wrong. If I say this, somebody might get upset. If I say, if I use the wrong words, perhaps I'm going to offend someone, you know. <laughs> and I think it's being able to have, and I think my dad achieved that. I think he achieved that. He didn't have the language necessarily, but he did achieve mm -hmm. it. What do you think made the difference to him to be able to achieve that? Um, I think to some extent, um, the way society has moved on. So I think, you know, some of the, he, he actually put it that he educated himself. He said, I educated myself. And I think to some extent the programs now, you know, uh, TV programs, there is much more representation of different cultures and, you know, and it's not done in a, in a cruel or, um, you know, in a way that takes them, you know, makes fun of people, you know, in the old days, those kinds of programs where there were different cultures, they were kind of made into comedy, you know, yeah. the, you know taking the, taking the mickey out of people's accents and things like that. But actually mm -hmm. now, you know, there's a lot more um, black and Asian and, you know, every culture represented in TV in the media. And, and I think to some extent, you know, programs now have much more, are much more inclusive, mm -hmm. you know, even things like soaps, there are, you know, gay characters, straight characters, black characters, Asian characters there. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not confined to just the same sorts of people. And I, so I think that, to some extent, you know, being able to see that and probably talking to other people to some extent, because sometimes, you know, if someone else says, yes, you know, I'm in the same boat, you, it's about, you know, for them to be able to identify with someone else who has a child who's mm -hmm. going through similar things. So I think, you know, the fact that culturally, if you like, we've moved on, you know, that in terms of things like, you know, uh, exposure to to other types of people no that's that's very true and and there is something you said actually now I was i was going to ask you a question and i think i got a glance of, of uh, maybe maybe one answer there um i was going to ask you actually for people who are actually maybe having that clash of identity and that struggle between two different identities maybe culturally or else um, what are some of the things that would help them overcome maybe that, um, yeah, those struggles that they're going through? Um, and you did mention about talking about it with people maybe that are similar to them. Are there any other, other ideas or thoughts that you have about that? Um, 
I think, you know, I think talking to people is probably one of the best things you can do. I, I really do believe that actually, you know, um, you know, one of my cousins was gay. And um, so my uncle went through a similar thing as my dad's brother. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, so, and he was, he dealt with it in a different way. So I think it's that thing where other people are going through things that resonate with you. I think I'm a great believer in that. I think, you know, being able to share things they say, you know, a problem shared, I'm saying it's a problem, but what I'm saying is, is that when you talk mm. about things, it becomes half, you know, the size in your head, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think having a really, you know, getting yourself a really good set of friends is really important. Mm -hmm. um, I really just believe that talking is the, is the way forward. I mean, there, of course, we can set up, you know, help groups and forums and, you know, there are, I mean, you know, I've looked online for help with things in the past. I think we all have, you know, I mean, it, the internet is fantastic for those kinds of things. But I also think that because things have moved on so much now that actually there's no need for anyone to feel like they don't belong, you know, because we are a melting pot much more than we used to be. And, you know, we've got travel, you know, we can travel more further. We can go to different countries. We can experience different cultures. Um, we're not minorities anymore, if you like. Mm -hmm those things have become less of an issue over time. So I think, you know, having people that understand what you're going through. So yes, I, I think to some extent in some situations, you know, going to a, a group of people that have come together to discuss something specific, you know, I'm struggling with this, um, you know, how do you deal with it? I, I do think other people's experience can help you massively. Mm -hmm. And, and it's an, it's a nice kind of closing the loop here as well with the, with the belonging, because I think, that's what it brings as well it brings that that psychological safety where we we feel we can talk about some of the things that um yeah we might find it difficult to talk about at first so yeah yeah i think it's a, it's a good point i want to ask you i have a couple more questions for you but i want to ask you first of all have you been back to or back i'm saying back but actually you're born in the uk so it's not really a bag uh, but but have you gone to your roots uh, and back to Myanmar, Burma? No, I haven't. I haven't, and and it's it's a it's again it's it's a strange one because mum and dad have been back uh, a few times, um, and I suppose I could have gone with them. You know that would have been a lovely experience to have gone and witnessed it through their eyes. A, a part part of me is slightly apprehensive about going and not sure if I want to. And the reason for that is because I have these wonderful stories that they've told me about growing up, you know, this idyllic, you know, uh, place, you know, warm and you know, lovely food and all of those things. And um, to some extent, obviously, it's not like that anymore. It's, it's, it's the mm -hmm. same country, but of course, it's moved on just like we have. So I would say that part of me thinks that I may go there and it may fail the test of romance you know the romantic yeah. uh, notion that i have of this place that it might not be it might not live up to my expectations um and of course a lot of my family now my my mum had a lot of her family still there but a lot of them passed now so there are many i mean there are that we do have family there but they're not um people that i have 
stories about, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I will go. I mean, I've been to Thailand, which is which neighbours uh, Myanmar, and of course, um, it's very similar. And I loved it. You know, I just loved. It. I thought, oh, this must be what it's like. You know, with the street vendors yes. and all those kinds of things. So, I think I will go at some point when I probably when I retire, I'll probably go do a little trip. Um, but I haven't been yet. Well, may, may, maybe that would be the the object of another episode. Then we can talk about uh, the experience after then. And, Absolutely, uh, and bringing bringing back the two cultures and talking about uh, your all your learnings from there. Um, one of the last questions I want to ask you actually is what is what is one piece of advice or thoughts that you would want to leave our listeners with? Um, I think probably it would be that know who you are, be who you are. Don't be afraid to be who you are because it's very hard sometimes. It is hard. And you can hear I'm getting a little emotional about it, but it is hard to be who you are. But you should never lose sight of who you are. You must never be afraid to be who you are and to talk about who you are. And I think it's important to have those conversations with people. You know, I, 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 I probably should have tried harder to have the conversation with my family. Um, but it's not only about, you know, your identity, identity is so many things. It's not just about, you know, your sexual orientation or, you know, whether you're gay, straight, black, white, Asian. It's about who you are, where you fit in. And that might not be anything to do with any of those things. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to know who you are. And I think for young people, I would, in particular, who are trying to decide who they are probably, you know, it's it's not wrong to be who you are mm-hmm. and it's okay it's okay to be who you are and whatever that is and whoever that is it's okay that that is a beautiful finish i think and thank you so much for sharing that i think that's a, that's a great message to share and and i i, I 100 agree with you so i'm glad you you brought it up Um, one small last question if any of our listeners want to reach out to you what's the best way to do that uh, they can contact me by uh, by email so um, I, my email address is Lorraine L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E dot Windsor at gmail.com okay. they can contact me via email they can also private message me on um, things like Facebook I've got a business that runs um, online And uh, you can find our company, Social Matrix, online. And we've got, you know, a Twitter account, Social mm-hmm. Matrix Hubs, and also on Facebook. If people want to private message me there, that's fine as well. Brilliant. Well, I'll put all the details in, in the notes of the episode then. Lauren, say, thank you so much for being part of, of this episode. It was a pleasure to have you. Um, I'll put a note to contact you back when you're back from uh, from your <laughs> your travels <laughs> in a, in a couple of years. And but again, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your thoughts and and your wisdom. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me speak. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. 
Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook or YouTube at As Diverse as Two Peas in a Pod. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.